listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday the 12th of November. You are listening to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. Here's the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Welcome to Casual Friday, everybody, and welcome Cassie, friend of the show. Hello, I'm so happy to be here on Casual Friday. I know, it's so casual. Uh, Cassie, obviously, uh, stepping in for Alice, who is on leave today. Um, to celebrate Casual Friday, Jose, mm. I'm really keen to know, um, like, what's your quintessential Casual Friday outfit? If, say, Sharesies was a place that you had to wear a suit or something to work. Casual outfit. Uh, I, I, I just go very summery, very, like, uh, you know, some um, Havianas and <laughs> shorts and yeah, some sort of print yeah. shirt, you know? Yeah, I, I'm on the same vibe, but I the first thing that comes to my mind is just like jorts and jandals. Like, <laughs> shorts. Like, just like really big A-frame, heavy denim, like pure structure, no no <laughs> convenience. Like nightmare if it gets wet. Like that's just yeah. all I can think of. I don't know why, because like who wears jorts these days? Yeah, yeah. I know you don't see them around that more. I think I'd go with jorts. <laughs> Although I, 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 at the time when they were a bit more in fashion, I never wore them. But I'd probably go jorts and then go on slides, you know, get slides. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. super pure, casual. Pure convenience, yeah. yeah. Whenever I see someone walking down the street here in Auckland and some slides, I go, Whoa, you are you are one comfy person. <laughs> you are quick. You are quick. <laughs> you are agile. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Cassie. Uh, it's got the old brain ticking over. Thank you for that. But today on Casual Friday, just to let you know, we are talking to tech commentator Peter Griffin, about the fortunes of Facebook, or Meta as it's now called. But first, let's have a hoon on some of today's financial news. What have you got for us, Cassie? Um, cool. Let's start off with the Warehouse Group, who just released a sales update for the first quarter of the 2022 financial year. Everything's a group nowadays. Remind me what companies make up the Warehouse Group. Um, that would be the likes of the Warehouse, Warehouse Stationery, Torpedo 7, No Leaming, and a couple of other ones in there. Uh, cool. Thank you for that. So how did the group do this quarter? Um, so the headline I saw read something along the lines of uh, the warehouse group sees strong online growth despite ongoing COVID disruptions, uh, which roughly translates to overall sales were down. But what do you expect after a 10 plus week lockdown? <laughs> Excellent breakdown. Thank you for that. Um, and to get into the nitty gritties, um, the group reported that the retail sales for this quarter, as uh, so the quarter ended um, on the 31st of October, um, were 630.7 million. Uh, this is a decline of 14.6% on the same quarter from last year and a decline of 9.2% from the year before that. Okay, so did they give some context for these numbers? Yeah, so uh, one thing that was mentioned is that the group's gross profit margin was reduced. Uh, this was largely due to increased clearance sales um, as there was a buildup of winter seasonal stock due to the timing of the COVID-19 lockdown. Um, there's also been a change of the group's product mix with the limitations of lockdown shopping. Mm. And you mentioned that there had been growth in online sales. What were the figures like around that? 
Yeah, that's right. Um, so the total group online sales were 190 million for the quarter, representing growth of 108.2% compared to the same quarter last year and making up about 30% of the group's total sales for the quarter. Um, also total click and collect sales increased um, 107, no, 117.7 in the quarter, making mm. up almost 47% of total online sales. Yeah, lockdown can have that effect on online sales, can't it? Yeah, you can kind of smell it from a mile off. Yeah, so was there anything else that came out of this update? Yeah, um, a couple small nuggets. There was an update on the group's final dividend for the year. The board was able to confirm um, that there would be a dividend of 17.5 cents. The record date will be on the 18th of November and it should be paid out on the 3rd of December uh, this year. And the group also confirmed that its uh, 2021 annual shareholder meeting will take place on Friday the 26th of November at 10am. The meeting will be online only, which means shareholders can zoom in in their pyjamas with a bowl of cereal. How good. <laughs> it's a, well, it's casual Friday. It's all about comfortable clothing. Yeah. Good, good, good. Sticking to the theme. Thank you for that, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> so let's stay local. Let's stay firmly in the financial reporting side of things. Infratil released its interim six monthly results today, which includes a record profit. Ooh, I'm hungry for those numbers, but first I really want to know the skinny on Infratel. What are they all about? Yeah, so Infratel is an infrastructure investment company based in New Zealand. It owns and has investments in electric companies like Trustpower. It's got a majority share in the Wellington Airport, for example, and uh, social infrastructure as well. Uh, for example, they've got a uh, shares in a retirement operator in Australia. Cool. Um, and what did their financials look like today? You said they reported a record profit? So for the six months ending on the 30th of September, they recorded improvements on just about every metric compared to the same period last year. So for example, in net profit, they reported $1.08 billion versus $27.8 million. And for revenue, they pulled in $541 million over $244 million. Cool. So what did they say was driving all this? So a big part of all of this was the sale of their stake in Tilt Renewables. Now Tilt is an Australian electricity generation company. You might remember us talking about this on Recap at the time, but mm -hmm. earlier this year Tilt was demerged from Trust Power and Infratil sold its stake for $1.9 billion. Mm, and what did Infratel do with all that cash monies? Yeah, so the uh, company, uh, the company's announcement today included a bit of a breakdown of how they used the proceeds. They managed to pay down quite a bit of outstanding debt. They also reinvested that money into other parts uh, of their investments, like digital infrastructure, global renewables, and social infrastructure. And what was the sale of their tilt stock? Oh, and sorry, was the whole sale of their tilt stock the? Um, whole story in terms of their profit? Not completely. The CEO, Jason Boys pointed to a grab bag of their other investments, saying that combined they delivered a 28% rise in underlying profit to $254 million. Cool. Anything else to know? Yep. They were able to offer their shareholders a dividend of 6.5 cents per share. Uh, that's versus 6.25 for the same period last year. <laughs> Now, it's been a massive couple of months for Facebook. A huge leak of internal documents from the whistleblower Francis Haugen caused a PR disaster for the company. And it's changed its name to Meta, signaling Mark Zuckerberg's focus on creating the metaverse and uh, the next iteration, iteration sorry, of the mobile internet. 
Now, what immediately blew up was a story that Facebook's own internal research showed Instagram was harming some people's self-esteem. But what else was in the Facebook papers, as they're called? So I talked to tech commentator Peter Griffin, who's been following the story closely. I asked him, apart from those issues we just talked about, including body image, what else can we learn about how Facebook operates internally and what it sees as its biggest challenges in the future? They were talking you know, a couple of years ago about QAnon and seeing this phenomenon of QAnon, what is this thing? This is right. so, sort of looks like it's really toxic material. Uh, you know, a year later, they banned QAnon from Facebook. So they're, they're, they're basically, because they have such a rich data flow, they are seeing very early some of these really concerning trends. They're talking about it internally. They're not telling lawmakers, they're not telling their own shareholders about it. Um, and this is common across companies, you know, they're trying to figure out the problems privately because they have shareholders and they have a public uh, image to, to keep up. What's different about this company is it has such a focus on data science that we're able to see because of this whistleblowing, the contrast between what it actually knows about its own operations and what it's telling the public. And if, if they're selling widgets or cans of um, fizzy liquid, it would be one thing, but this with two and, two and a half billion users and able to manipulate people's emotions and buying behavior and political behavior is actually, mm. um, maybe there's a case for them being a bit more transparent. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I thought was really fascinating was their own kind of um, investigation on their own uh, users or their own user base and then pinpointing mm. the issue that actually not a lot of young people have use Facebook at all and then pinpointing that as an issue. Well, this is, aside from all the social harm stuff, this is actually the hub of the issue for, for investors. Um, and this is not a big surprise. Facebook, mm. the reason Facebook bought Instagram and WhatsApp was as a hedge against um, not having much cut through among young people. It's been declining since 2012. Um, so they know that this is a problem, but it's quite stark in there. Some of the statistics around teens and young adults, the usage is really dropping, the engagement, the number of messages that they're sending uh, is dropping. This is all really concerning to Mark Zuckerberg, who is obsessed with meaningful social impact. That's what he calls it, right. which is people constantly messaging, liking and sharing each other's material. The other re revelation is that there's a lot of duplicate accounts among young people. Um, and I guess this is because I see this in my own family members and that is they keep one account for their friends and another account for mum and dad or the siblings. Um, so p people are setting up multiple accounts. So you're really, there's only so much activity they can do across these multiple accounts. And so it's lower across those accounts. The, it's really only adding up to one person. Now, Facebook doesn't break out to its shareholders usage across those demographics. It just does overall trends. And there's still a bit of growth there. It's very slow now, but because it's adding more people in other parts of the world, but in its core markets that advertisers are interested in Europe, the, uh, the US, Australia, New Zealand, um, increasingly parts of Asia and India, it's big market. Uh, there's some worrying signs there, particularly among that younger demographic. And you know, Zuckerberg would normally acquire someone to solve this problem, 
but he's got the FTC looking at him going, well, we're, we're thinking of trying to unpick the acquisitions you've already done. So it's not really tenable for him at the moment to go and buy TikTok or someone else to solve this problem. And it shows, I think, you know, it's not a problem that is going to hit them in the immediate future, but it's really something down the road because they've got, you know, as you say, uh, a huge user base. Oh, it's a juggernaut still. Yeah, total juggernaut. Good good word to use. Um, but it shows how forward-thinking they are and they really want to kind of like clip that problem before it really raises a head. And, and looking ahead um, and looking forward, um, of course, in the middle of this all comes this talk of the metaverse and a big push from Mark Zuckerberg with a, fa- a fancy video. A f- feel like there's been a lot of ridicule about this idea floating around like every man and his dog's been making jokes about it um is that an appropriate response or is this actually like 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 a big thing you know ultimately what the company is doing is pivoting um, away from just being reliant on social networks to building the future of the mobile internet he's already bought oculus the virtual reality headset maker has done a lot of innovation is spending billions of dollars there creating these headsets and this virtual world that people will increasingly live in. Um, you know, Microsoft is pursuing this as well. Uh, a lot of the big 3D gaming companies are doing it. So the metaverse is a dead serious thing. Mm-hmm. There are lots of companies that are involved in this. It's whether Facebook can be trusted to be at the center of this as one of the biggest players, um, particularly when there are big question marks over what this will actually mean. I put some questions to Chris Cox, um, Facebook's chief product officer, on a press conference um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I basically said, you know, how can consumers trust you to, to build this thing when there's so many big question marks over who's going to own the data, uh, what this is going to mean from an infrastructure point of view, who's going to own the infrastructure of the future internet? Is it going to be Facebook and a couple of other giants like Microsoft? And he basically said, we don't know. Um, but here's all the shiny, cool stuff that you'll be able to do in the metaverse. And I think that's the fundamental issue that Facebook now faces and meta as it moves forward is people are saying the era of permissionless innovation is over. We saw the good side of that and we saw the dark side of it. In future, when you disrupt the world through your use of technology, you're going to have to ask for permission first. And that's the the painful transition I think the company is going to have to go through. Heaps of thanks to Peter Griffin for having a chat with me earlier today. But I have to ask, what is the first thing you're going to do uh, in the metaverse when it arrives, Cassie? Um, I'm going to go find Mark and I'm going to go give him a swirly. (laughs) (laughs) I think he would would respect it. (laughs) I I, I think that is the perfect use of the metaverse. I think it's why it's going to exist. Perfect. Um, (laughs) What about you? uh, I I was going to, like, I was all going to say... Oh, look, I'm just going to do some freaky stuff, man. I'm not going to say exactly <laughs> what, but... It's but gonna, what's it's... freaky? Is anything freaky in, in the metaverse? True, <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say that, but uh, then I realised every time I played like similar well, games that are open world or you know simulation games, like The Sims, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. uh, all I've done is just like make my own house and room, yeah. like a complete do- a doppelganger of it, and I'm making oh. a doppelganger of myself, <laughs> and I just do the same things that I do in real life. Yeah, so it'll probably um, just end up being me in real life with Vidicomas wearing a, you know a VR headset playing a guy in a VR world with a VR headset playing another guy and it'll just all be turtles all the way down basically. 
um, when me and my sister made our family on The Sims when we were like quite young, yeah. we didn't put a um, ladder in our swimming pool that we had. We don't have in real life, but um, and so everyone got in the pool as Sims do, and then they all died, <laughs> <laughs> like straight away. And we were like, "What's happening? <laughs> Just climb out of the pool." But that's not Sim logic. I wanna, I wanna like do a bit more of a deep dive into this, but I'm most yeah. afraid of what the answers will be. So maybe we should just push on. But thanks for that lovely family memory, Casey. No worries. <laughs> and with that, that brings us to a close of recap for the 12th of November. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, don't forget to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz if you want to get in touch. And you can also leave a voice message on our anchor page. We'd love that. Yeah, I'd love to get a voice message. Uh, see you next week. <laughs> hey, Telo Bye. Hina. Bye. <laughs>